Welcome to the Live Well, Perform Better podcast. My name is David Duggan and I'm the director of Below the Line, an Irish-based consultancy specialising in helping people, teams and organisations raise their levels of consciousness, inner potential and performance. I am part of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organisations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs and people looking to make their mark in the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is live well, perform better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest for a conversation that focuses on the question, what do the words live well, perform better mean to you? This question is a way into exploring with people from a range of different backgrounds, industries and disciplines. What are the practices, techniques, habits or ideas that they use to help them to show up and be at their best in all areas of their lives? whether that's as CEOs, leaders or managers, or as parents, family members or friends. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day and hopefully put some of our knowledge, experience and expertise into play for yourself. This week I'm delighted to have been joined by another very special guest, Connor Carmody. Connor is a highly experienced business person who has held senior management and leadership positions across all commercial disciplines in telecoms and retail. Among the many hats he wears is that of business consultant with Further, the Dublin-based public and privately funded agency supporting emerging entrepreneurs to develop and scale their businesses. And it was in this context that he joined me to share his insights, knowledge and experience on the true nature of entrepreneurship. This is a must-listen conversation for anyone interested in understanding what entrepreneurship asks of those who wish to start a business, why entrepreneurs need to remain unattached to outcomes, what the future holds for technology and its impact on our lives, and why it is so important that people who start a business don't forget or neglect their own health and happiness in the midst of trying to make their dreams and ambitions a reality. You can subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast as well as our exclusive online events and sessions including our Press Pause coaching community. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Maybe Connor, I'll just start by by welcoming you and, and thanks very much for for being a guest. You're very good to do so. Um, and the traditional question I ask uh, on on the podcast now is is please tell us what you do and maybe that's a, a great way into just helping anyone listening to this understand a little bit about your story, your career, and what mo- motivates you to do what you do now. Thanks so much, David, and thanks for uh, having me on today. Uh, the answer to the question is I still don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up, but I think I'm going to figure it out one of these days. Um, the serious answer to that is what do we do? What do I do? So uh, my purpose talking to today is that I work for an organization called Further and we uh, previously were Dublin Vic, we rebranded across the summer and in its simplest form we help entrepreneurs to start and scale and that is advice and support and access to funding and uh, a little bit of mentoring sometimes an arm around the shoulder and sometimes a kick uh, and we deliver all of that and the reason we do that is because we believe that entrepreneurship plays a key part 
uh, in the story of Ireland and the growth of Ireland and, and, and that's why we do it. My own background, I guess, and why do I do it or, you know, why would anyone listen to me? I still don't know that, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and frame it a little bit. I have had a varied career both in Ireland and abroad, and I spent a bit of time working with Primark in the early days when it was pennies back down in Mary Street. Uh, it turns out I wasn't very good as a menswear buyer, so I decided that wasn't for me, but that was kind of the early job. Uh, uh, and it was kind of a really interesting time. Uh, I then went abroad. Eastern Europe was starting to open up in the early 90s and we had a business in Moscow, um, probably a very different Moscow to, to today and as we think of Russia today and in the terms of the global conflict. But we were there as young guys and gals. I met my wife there. Actually, she came across and we, we had businesses over there. And I guess it was around a time when uh, that economy was starting to expand um, and we spent kind of most of the 90s there, which was really interesting because it was a it was a society and a country coming out of uh, a communist era. They were, uh, I guess, learning uh, about a new economy and a new society and not everyone was happy with that. And there was a, a period, I guess, uh, in the early 90s uh, where, uh, you know, People were living on $100 a month and, and kind of society had broadly not collapsed. That sounds a bit dramatic, but the, the norms and the structures were, were falling apart as they rebuilt it. So it was an interesting time to be living there. Uh, and we did that uh, until the late 90s. And then I came back and I was part of the startup team and the success story of Meteor. So Meteor was the third mobile phone license. We secured that license. We had two very strong competitors in Aircell, which became Vodafone, and uh, Digicel, which we are Digiphone, which became O2, and we, as the underdog, had to try and figure out a place in the world uh, and to survive and thrive, and we did that, and ultimately sold that business off to Aircom at the end of the the kind of two thousands. Um, I spent a bit of time around corporate life. I did some work with with Vodafone, and then I kind of thought to myself, you know what, I've I've kind of done a lot of that. I'd like to out my own so uh i i started working on kind of consulting and started working on maybe sharing a bit of kind of what i've done in the past so i do today i do a lot of work with further uh, we have a couple of really interesting programs uh, i'll talk to you about those as we work through and then i do a couple of other private projects as well so i guess i'm at a stage where i'm doing a portfolio approach to life uh where i'm i'm kind of looking for lots of different interesting things um that that pay because we all need to earn and we need to live but also uh you know there's an there's an interest uh, that you need in your life as well and we'll talk a bit about that as we work through but you know having this having the ability to dip in and out of lots of different projects and see lots and lots of different things and i was talking to somebody earlier about kind of some of the things we do at further and the amount of interesting uh entrepreneurs and stories that I come across in, in my daily life are just fascinating to be honest and be able to to kind of see new ideas and to see new business ideas and to see all of that at the very very early stage actually makes it really interesting in terms of what I do so it's, yeah it's worked out well I'm at it for the last probably like you I'm at it for the last six or seven years and um, that notion of finding new and interesting stuff every day is kind of really what what drives me on I guess. Could you just talk to me about the Russian experience? Because that's where, if you like, maybe the entrepreneurship bug first bit you, was it? In terms of setting things up, yeah? yeah I guess so, because as a, as a relatively young guy, I was in my kind of mid-twenties um, to land in Moscow. And the day I landed there, which was October the 4th, 1993, uh, the second coup had just started. They were shelling the White House, the parliament. Um, 
country was in martial law for the month after that. Uh, and I was there with two other lads we had gone over and we were living in an apartment. And uh, well, I, the first thing we did was was kind of go down and have a look. But there was a short lived uh, push against Yeltsin back then. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it was an interesting time in society. It was an interesting time as, a, as an economy and a country started to think about what their future would look like. It was a very difficult couple of years um, and it led us to kind of probably where we are today when you think back to that time. But, you know, the uh, core of the Russian people were that the ones that I met were such lovely, warm, welcoming folks to us who were strangers in their country. Uh, you know, we we rented apartments from them. We lived in the same uh, apartment blocks and learned the language and tried our best, I guess, to integrate in so far as you can. Um, but uh, but there is a kind of a lesson in there around a society trying to emerge and trying to cast off the old and bring in the new. And that transition left a huge amount of people uh, not displaced, but kind of adrift, I think, of the societal norms that they'd grown up with for 50 or 60 years. And nature abhors a vacuum, as you well know. And from that then came a desire to rebuild, which kind of directly has led us to where we are today. So a really, really interesting time. There was a bunch of maybe 40 or 50 Irish people. There was a number of businesses that we had. And Arinta had led the way. They had gone in and set up the duty freeze. Uh, Arinta, in fairness to them, uh, were the, the precursors to most of us going abroad uh, into that particular uh, arena. Um, so it was a wonderful time. We were young. We were kind of entrepreneurial. We were learning a new language. We were setting up businesses. We were uh, kind of having a great time and experiencing a new culture and all of that. So, yeah. Um, one of the things I say to my kids and I've three of them is that kind of idea of, yeah, spread your wings and get out and try and do something new and try and kind of explore and grow. And, uh, and that kind of, I guess, curiosity of the world around you and to try and kind of, you know, very easy for, for folks uh, to find yourself in a path or a rut. And uh, I live in a little village out in Kildare and very easy for my guys and lots of guys to just grow up and, and our girls and stay in that village and not move out and stuff like that. But there's a big world out there. And, um, you know, for all of us, no matter what age or, or uh, stage we are in life, the ability to continually be looking for new things and new opportunities and new ideas and, uh, and all of that, you know, we live in an era where in our phone, all of us have a phone in front of us. We have the entire collection of the world's knowledge stored right in front of us. And it's astonishing when you think about that. Uh, you can know, you can learn whatever you want to know about the world around you by picking up your phone. Most of us tend to spend our time looking at memes of cats or something like that. So there, there is a curiosity that we all continually need to, to push and explore. And it seems to me, or it sounds to me like that, where that idea has taken you has been you know, setting up businesses, being involved. And now it's, it's about giving the benefit or bringing the benefit of your knowledge and experience to a, a, as wide a cohort of people as you can through Further. Yeah, so Further is a really interesting organisation and I spend a lot of time working uh, with them for Further. Um, previously, Dublin Bic, as I said, we rebranded it and um, we spend a bit of time thinking about a new name and a new identity and all of that. But going Further is kind of where, we're, where we, we came with it. And um, But we're a not-for-profit organization, public-privately funded, and uh, at our heart is entrepreneurship and stimulating and growing entrepreneurship. And um, 
and we do that by kind of offering advice through an investor ready program go further we have a, an investment vc arm that uh, invests in startups we run an angel network that invests and then we run a whole bunch of programs and further festival being one of those uh, where we bring people together to collaborate and grow and i guess uh you know you said there i give a little back which sounds quite uh, lofty uh, uh but in many respects I get as much out of the conversations I have with people as I put in. And, um, you know, I'm always amazed and astonished folks and the ideas that they come with and the resilience and the, uh, the tenacity that entrepreneurs display um, and the stories. Uh, so any conversation that we're having, it, in my mind, has to be a two-way street. I bring something to the table just because I have a couple of grey hairs. Uh, they bring to the table wonderful ideas and a tenacity that I, I admire hugely. And I guess, we, you know, what we do is as appropriate, there's an arm around the shoulder. As appropriate, there's introductions out to other folks. And sometimes there's a kicking a kick need and we all need to kick every now and then and we can deliver all of that. And the really interesting thing, David, is we don't charge entrepreneurs to work with them. And for many people, they kind of say, well, What's that all about? Uh, the reason we do that is we run a, a vast amount of programs that we bring in public and private funding commercially and otherwise to support that. And our view very clearly is that entrepreneurs have enough going on on their plate. They don't want at an early stage to give, they shouldn't give away equity. They shouldn't be paying, uh, you know, for the advice. And because we've structured the, the, the proposition in such a way, we, we do that and we work with entrepreneurs. We offer our advice freely. It, they don't have to take it. Nobody has to take that advice. But they do know one thing, that we come at it with a very clean set of hands, if I may use that phrase. And what we do is we say, we give of our time and our advice freely. We hope that you're successful. And the only thing we want from you is that when the time comes, you'll pay it back. In other words, we'll ask you to speak at an event. We'll ask you to come and give your advice again to the next version of entrepreneurs. And in such a way, you get this kind of virtuous circle moving along where the people we've worked with have learned from a little bit from us they then come back later on and share it. And I think you get this lovely sharing economy where people are kind of sharing, entrepreneurs are growing and uh, networks are being formed. And that's hugely important. In, in terms of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs, obviously you've, you've set businesses up yourself. You're, you're now mentoring and involved with so many through further, but are there common themes or, or maybe mistakes that people make or what, what's your advice for someone who's considering um, going out on their own or taking that, uh, answering that call to adventure, as they say? Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. It's not for the faint hearted. Um, it's not for everybody. And that's OK, because it takes a whole world to kind of keep us all turning. Um, you know, starting a business uh, is is tough. Uh, and, uh, you know, what are the mistakes that that people make? I guess there's an optimism that's required to be an entrepreneur and sometimes that optimism can lead you to to kind of uh overestimate your success or overestimate the timeline in which you're going to deliver or, or all of that so um i think there's a piece of being realistic while maintaining that optimistic spirit um i guess that's a key one i think there's a there's a piece around maybe there's a piece around knowing that it ain't working and for those of us who've been in a sales game and you're chasing a particular sales lead and you at some point you have to say to yourself, this ain't working. This prospect is never going to buy from me. And I guess entrepreneurship is the same. You're pushing an idea and you need to be very clear that if it ain't working, fail fast and, move, and change or pivot or move and, and get on with the next thing. And, you know, having the ability to 
to kind of stem back and say, it ain't working for us, guys, gals. We need to move. We need to do something different. We need to change course and, and go in a different direction um, is a kind of another one. And then, you know, I'm a firm believer that uh, nobody uh, does this by themselves. So uh, I mentioned to you recently, we were talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger and this talk he gave about the myth of the self-made man. And his view very clearly was that... Uh, all of us stand on the shoulders of other people. And the idea that one person all by themselves uh, will do something, uh, his view, and I thought it was a really interesting talk, I think it was a commencement speech at a university, his idea was we all work together in a connected way. And you know, the idea that one person set out to change the world and did it all by themselves, they had support, they did have, a, they were a visionary, they did have a super idea, but they built it with the support uh, of other people along the way. And we shouldn't lose sight of that. And that for all of us, as we're, as we're building whatever it is we're building, our ability to reach out to network, uh, which is what we're propagating at, at Further Festival, your ability to connect with other people, whether funders, advisors, sales channels, partners, whoever that might be, and to build that network uh, and to be very cognizant of that from the early stage, that building a nice ecosystem will probably make the journey go easier. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. One of the great quotes uh, I got from actually a colleague of mine here and below the line is Ian Kingston, um, who mentioned no one, the business you start um, is never the business you end up running. And I think the point he was making was to me, as, as much as anybody else is, we can often get wrapped around the axle of um, our attachment to things needing to be the way we've envisaged them, where, where I think actually what you're saying is, you know, you actually have to have a level of detachment from a particular outcome or from a, a particular client or a sale because that's that's the type of stuff where we get bent out of shape and it can really it can cause you great uh, emotional business uh, stress and turmoil yeah and this this idea that we've gone down a route we must stick on that route uh, you know sometimes we've gone on a route and then life gets in the way and we need to change and move and go in a different direction and remaining nimble while also remaining uh you know fixated on results i'm I'm all about results and, and uh, you know, what's happening and what's the plan and all of that. But also you kind of need to be uh, able to say it ain't working. Stop, change, do something. Uh, you know, just don't keep battering the same old uh, hammer and peg because it ain't going anywhere. Move, change uh, and stuff like that. So your ability to your ability to look at the world around you and the context within which you're operating and to say this isn't working Uh where can we go from here and to pivot, to move, to change uh, or stop uh, indeed. And, you know, I've worked with, I've worked at hundreds of companies over the last six or seven years at, at uh, Further and Dublin Bic. And, you know, for some of the guys, uh, I use that in a, in a generic term, but some of the folks that I've worked with, um, you know, they've come after a period of time. And one guy, I remember, put a huge amount of time and money into a project. And the kind of hardest meeting was him coming to me saying, it's over. I've pushed it. I've dragged it. I've here. I'm there. I've moved it. I kind of think looking back in it now, he was way ahead of his time. He was too early. And, you know, with entrepreneurship, you can be too early. It's not often the first person into the market is the going to be the successful one. You know, everyone will remember of a certain age, MySpace or Bebo or all of those. So uh, they weren't, they were the first. Uh, uh, and what did Facebook do differently that made them uh, the winner in that space. Um, so, you know, this particular chap that I was working with, his idea was cracking his attention to detail, his ability to execute was all there. I guess he might have just been five years too early. Uh, and for him then 
that realization of I've put a large sum of money into this and I can't wait out the five years. I need to cut my losses and get out. And that was a really tough moment for him and not for me because I'm, I'm just an advisor on the sidelines, but for him and that realization that actually, so, you know, what makes entrepreneurs successful? There's huge bodies of research on this. Um, Harvard has done studies and all of that. And there's lots of Ted talks and blah, blah, blah. And Lots of people will say team and lots of people will say idea and lots of people will say execution. There's a body of work that says timing is the number one factor for success. In other words, if you come at the right time with the right product and you can execute, uh, but if you can do all of the others and the timing is wrong, you're going to find it difficult to succeed. One of the themes we were we were discussing before we, we started uh, recording was um, something that I've observed in both myself as someone who's set up a, a business um, and watched a lot of entrepreneurs is um, that they can often ignore themselves um, in that process. So there's such a drive to get the business, the rocket lifted, that their mental, physical, emotional um, uh, is, it, health can suffer. Um, and one of the themes of this podcast is this idea of how do we how do we live well to perform better? But what advice do you have for uh, entrepreneurs on that side of things, as they try to get that rocket lifted, how do they take time to look after and manage themselves and all of that? You know, isn't it hugely important, and not just for entrepreneurs, for all of us, we run businesses or we work or do whatever. Um, you know, at the end of the day, work is not who we are. It's a part of what we do. But our life is, I'm very lucky. I'm married to a wonderful woman, I have three wonderful kids. Uh, they are hugely supportive in everything I've done uh, right and wrong over my life in terms of the business stuff that I've done um, uh, and you know at the end of the day you know we'll work or we'll set up a business or we will uh, we will kind of be successful in a career or in our job or whatever but it's just a part of who we do it doesn't define us um, it is kind of interesting actually when you think about society and how it is evolving in a post-covid or an endemic world and you know you see some of the talk from a kind of human resource perspective around the great resignation and the great the quiet quitting and you see the phrases that are becoming part of the vernacular and i think i think if you distill it down covid taught us that uh life is short um it also taught us that you know the notion of sitting in traffic for two hours every day i mentioned to you i'm living out in kildare and you know to head into town for a nine o'clock meeting means leaving darkest kildare at half six in the morning and sitting in a, on the m4 for an hour and a half or an hour and three quarters and you kind of think looking back why did we do it um, i worked with uh, somebody um a very uh, wonderful lady in one of the uh, academic institutions and she was living in i think mullingar at the time she got the bus uh, every morning uh, left got up at six left her house got the bus from seven o'clock i think from mullingar got into town at nine o'clock went and sat in an office and was running programs and whatnot so didn't need to be there and then reversed that journey and did it all again uh, at five o'clock getting home at half seven in the evening shattered that was four and a half hours a day commuting uh, you know, that's 25, 20 odd hours a week sitting on a bus. Um, and you kind of look back on it now and you think, what was wrong with us? Uh, why, why would you do that when, and we thought technology wouldn't work. It turns out technology is quite Zoom and, you know, we're talking here, uh, all of that. Uh, so I, I guess the long-winded answer to your question is, I think we have figured out that there are different ways of working. Uh, I think we've also figured out that you know, work as a part of what we do, it doesn't define us. It's something that we do. And if you can make a difference as you go, that's great. 
but you need to carve out time around family, well, whatever that is, whether that's walking the dog or whether that's just out for a walk or whether that's whatever really floats your boat. You've got to make the conscious decision to say, you know what, whatever the problem that's facing me today, it's probably going to be grand in the morning. I can get back to it tomorrow morning. The world is not going to turning, stop turning on its axis if I don't go home and spend a bit of time with the kids or if I don't go out and have dinner with my partner or do whatever. The, kid. the world is still going to keep turning. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we're a very small part of an inordinately large uh, kind of 8 billion population, whatever the population of the world is today. We're a, we're a very small part of that. I guess the answer is a bit of perspective. And, you know, I think as you get older, that probably gets a little bit easier. Uh, you know, as you're younger and you're thinking about world domination and all of that, uh, I think you have to consciously force yourself to stop and take a break and say, it's grand. You know, that email will be there in an hour when I come back and uh, I will go out and get some fresh air and I'll get a walk. And a lot of people picked up that habit in COVID and they kind of were working from home. They didn't maybe did a little bit extra in the morning or a little bit extra in the evening. And then they went out for a walk at lunchtime. Uh, so I guess the answer is you've got to make a conscious decision. It is very easy for you to say, I'm in the thick of this. There is no way out of this. You've got to force yourself and say, do you know what? I'll take a break for an hour. We'll go for coffee. We'll go for a walk. We'll do whatever, bit of yoga, whatever, whatever does it for you. And I'll come back to it then. And, and finding consciously that time uh, to step out of it. In terms of, you know, turning the lens on, on yourself, is there anything that you, you would do or regularly build into your own day just to help you with this idea of living well and performing better and just showing up as, as best you can? Disregard everything I said, I ignore it all. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, look, I'm very lucky in that I have uh, I have an office at home uh, that's out detached from the house. Uh, it's one of these kind of cabin things. So I go out there and I do my work. Uh, so I am I can detach myself from the house. I can still go back in. Uh, I, I consciously put down, go in, have lunch. I can have a bite to eat. I can have a cup of tea. So uh, a lot of the work I'm doing allows me still to work at home for kind of two, three days a week. Uh, so um, and then I'm I'm. As I get a bit older, I'm certainly I'm trying to get the walk in every evening. Easy during the summer, go up to the canal, do a bit of a walk, a bit harder in the summertime. But I think what I found uh, over the last while is put on the headphones, uh, even if you get out and get a couple of half an hour in, whatever that might be. And, you know, sometimes take a few phone calls, sometimes just turn on the, the, the music and plug in the headphones and walk away. Uh, so for me, I guess it is... Uh, I try to get to the gym. I'm not that good at it. Uh, I keep going and in spurts and all of that sort of stuff. I guess, I guess for me, it's it's the walk. And then you know, I have a, I, I do have an, an interest in kind of the outdoors. So I spend a bit of time out in the garden or painting or just just messing around out the back. So that's kind of that's my go-to place if I'm uh, if I'm feeling stressed or whatever. Get out the lawnmower and typical. Uh, middle-aged suburban dad get out yeah, or Elfla at this stage get out the get out the lawnmower and all will be well with the world yeah yeah brilliant brilliant um uh, in, in terms of further and the further festival um I, I know a big theme in, in in your work which you alluded to already is this idea of collaboration and bringing um if you like expertise and and, and entrepreneurs together but could you just tell me a little bit more about that because that's coming up very soon in the next couple of weeks yeah, so we have the Further Festival uh, in the Convention Centre Dublin on October 21, and it's a one-day event. We didn't run it over COVID, David. We Our view is that it is an in-person event, and it works best as an in-person event. And there are room for online events and hybrid events and all of that, and we, we ran a lot of those over the last two years. But this has a particular flavour and atmosphere, this event. We've been doing it for seven years, and it works best for us when we put people together in a room. And 
broadly, what we're trying to do is bring together an ecosystem of startups, scale-ups, government, academia, uh, and investment advisors. And we're trying to understand the opportunities arising from emerging technology. That's broadly what we do. And uh, we deliver that through a kind of a main stage with some global speakers. We have uh, tracks of uh, investment and innovation and sustainability, and we work through those in detail. And then we have a load of offstage panels and we have some uh, tech demo arcade with the coolest in AR and VR and uh, all of that. And the purpose of the event is to give people a chance to meet. And, you know, we know that if you come to that event, you're going to get a really good networking and collaborative experience. So let's say you're an entrepreneur, you've got a startup and uh, you want to meet investors. On the day, there'll be at least 10 of the VC firms will be represented, will be walking around. There's an app that you can use. So if you want to find David Duggan, you're going to meet David at the event. And it's a great chance for that informal discussion. Uh, and that's what we're trying to foster. So, you know, Enterprise Ireland will be there and IDA and Skillnet Ireland and, you know, a bunch of the agencies that uh, will have some private uh, ESB. We'll have uh, the US Embassy, Boston College. Uh, as well as a whole host of speakers. And the purpose of it is for somebody to go along and say, I need to kind of understand what's happening in the world of new technology, what's happening with quantum computing, what's happening with photonics, uh, what's going on in the world of the metaverse. Uh, we'll have speakers on all those sorts of topics. And then uh, you could pick a couple of those tracks. You can figure out some of those emerging technologies framed through the lens of the opportunities for growing your business. And then you get a load of chance, a load of time then to meet with uh, folks as you walk around the halls. And, you know, we can facilitate that through the app where you get the chance to kind of chat to folks that are helpful to your business. So it is uh, most definitely a collaborative event where everyone is there with a common learning objective and also an objective to who can help me with whatever my business idea or proposition that I'm trying to develop, who can help me uh, there on the day. Well, sounds fantastic. Um, in, in terms of technology, um, and obviously there's a focus on um, at the festival on that, but your own views on where, where technology will take us or bring us in the next couple of years, is there anything that you think that it, that is looming on the horizon for us that we should be aware of or thinking about or considering? Yeah, so I guess... Um, as we've been preparing for this and thinking about it, there most certainly is a view that the rate of advancement in technology in the next decade will significantly surpass what has gone before. So we look back and we think over 20 years, well, the internet was invented and social media was invented and, you know, well, hasn't that moved on? There's an argument that says we're only at the start of the beginning. We're not even at the end of the beginning. And, you know, you look at some of the big platforms and you wonder, what will they look like in 20 years time? Will they even be there in 20 years time? We know that businesses grow. We know there's a cycle of businesses and we know that over time businesses get eradicated and, you know, Netflix replaced Blockbuster. And, uh, you know, we thought we thought to ourselves back in the mid nineties that the only thing you could possibly do was rent a video. Uh, and it turns out there was an entirely different way to do it. And a new industry got shaped overnight. So, uh, I mean, the status quo doesn't last for any business. And I guess for all of us, we're thinking about what's coming next. Some of the things we're exploring are around quantum computing that I know very little about, but it seems kind of fascinating. And it talks about that the traditional notion of computing gets replaced by an entirely new uh, way. And that kind of seems interesting, I guess. Is it commercially available in the next five to 10 years? I guess that's still open for debate. We know that there's a huge... Uh, 
focus from some of the big social media companies on the metaverse and this notion that we'll all be living in a virtual world. And I guess the jury is out thus far, but it's a very early technology. Um, I've tried it. I have, a, I have a headset at home and we use some, some of the stuff at home to, to pilot it. It's really interesting. Do I see myself living my world in an online world? I don't know. Uh, so, so I guess there's a couple of AI. We talk a lot about artificial intelligence and, you know, what does it actually mean? Is it just big bundles of data? And everyone is assembling lakes and lakes of data at the moment. And what can you do with it? Um, we will explore uh, blockchain. And one might argue that blockchain as, in a, as an underlying technology is hugely important for the future. I think it's been somewhat um, it's been somewhat uh, overshadowed by some of the the kind of the get rich quick schemes that are sitting on top of it. Uh, um, uh, but I, I guess that will flush out. Uh, I think over the next four to five years, we'll see we'll see the blockchain as an underlying technology coming into its own right, and maybe some of the you know in any kind of early stage technologies, there's the early what's the use case and people come in they're trying it they're seeing where it goes and then it settles down so we'll be exploring lots of those sort of new emerging technologies but we come at it i guess more from the point of what's the use case that applies we we come at it from the what is the business opportunity as opposed to just looking at technology for the sake of technology just in terms of um maybe ireland just for a second and the entrepreneurial uh, environment that exists here i'm sure uh, you can see how it's changed um in the last couple of years but just what what type of environment do you think we have right now so we have an entrepreneurial spirit on this island we've always had it we've always had a a, a nation or a population that has looked to go abroad. I mean, we populated and built some of the largest cities in the world, and we've always been an outward looking nation because of the fact that we're a little island on the edge of Western Europe. So we do have a, an exploratory nature in our, in our DNA. I think with regard to the entrepreneurial ecosystem, you would have to call out Enterprise Ireland for the support that they give across really early stage right all the way up there there are quite a significant funder of early stage venture ventures and do uh, do quite a good job on that i think we are lucky in that we have most if not all of the major uh, us multinationals represented here the googles and the facebooks and the salesforce uh, and they're all coming to dublin um so that brings with it a, a pool of talent it also develops a pool of talent here in the country uh, from a technology standpoint uh, i guess we would like to see more involvement from them in the ecosystem if you look at kind of the us when you have a cluster of those uh, tech startups those technology companies there's lots of startups spinning out of them people leave and they start up new businesses and all that we haven't got that yet so the the the, the larger tech companies they have some of the programs in place, but I, I think there is room for us to uh, there is room for us to more closely integrate them into the kind of the startup ecosystem and offer uh, a platform or a channel uh, for startups to work with, and that would be really interesting. And and then from a funding and an investment uh, perspective, lots of early stage funds. Um, probably not uh so still somewhat risk averse uh so i guess there is a there is a question around how do how does an entrepreneur move from idea to securing a funding round and there seems to be a little bit of a gap in that early stage uh i know enterprise ireland are trying to plug it at the moment with a new initiative that they've launched around their pre-seed uh application process um but that that idea of somebody who has a has an idea 
uh, how do they take that from there to building a technology to scaling and to growing and beyond that. So broadly, you'd say, yeah, we're in good shape. There's lots of activity happening for startups here, much more so than 20 years ago. Uh, and we've just got to continue building on it. Maybe just tracking back to what, something you said earlier about being in, in Russia in the early 90s, uh, we mentioned that environment and maybe that's what led to where we're facing today. But I suppose taking that kind of drone's eye view, if you like, what do you see as being some of the challenges now for businesses as, as we face into an ongoing war, um, rising energy costs, et cetera, et cetera? What's, the, what's that picture looking like to you from, from your perspective? Yeah, it's one of the... Um... It's one of the areas we're going to explore on the uh, on the investment stage, and it has the cliched title, but it sounds good. Of winter is coming, and we are getting a couple of investors together and trying to explore from an entrepreneur standpoint what does this mean. So, we have a global war. We have rising interest rates. We have inflationary pressure. We have gas prices and electricity prices going through the roof. And um, we have people genuinely struggling to think how they're going to pay bills this winter and I guess in the context of starting and scaling a business you need to kind of be very mindful of of that real human issue that government needs to kind of take on because it is going to be a bleak winter for lots of people uh, struggling to pay bills from a a business standpoint there's most definitely a tightening up of investment and appetite for investment because um you know, a lot of these uh, investment funds are tied to the performance of the stock market. In other words, their ability to put money in is dependent on the share price, which which is directly linked. And so with, with, with a declining kind of uh, stock market, their ability to pump out early money is somewhat slowed down. I think there is always room for investment in good ideas and good ideas will always find their way to the top. Um, but I think the froth maybe of the last 18 months uh, is certainly the topping has gone off that. Um, so I guess for entrepreneurs, what we'll be exploring is what will they have to do to make sure that their, their business is ready for investment. If an investor is going to be more discerning and uh, watching more closely where they're going to put their investment in, what then does the entrepreneur have to do to catch the, the investor's eye? And I guess that has changed and as the, the criteria are becoming tighter and the appetite for risk becoming slightly less. So it's against that backdrop uh, that we'll be exploring uh, kind of the, the investment thesis. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, look, just before we wrap up then, just re remind people where they can find out more about Further and the Further Festival, et cetera. Thanks very much, David. So if you go to uh, further.ie, F-U-R-T-H-R, we dropped the E as we uh, were rebranding across the summer. So further.ie, you'll see full details there, October 21 Convention Centre in Dublin, and we look forward to seeing you there. Brilliant. Well, Connor, thanks a million for uh, giving me your time. Um, I think for anyone listening to this, there's a heap of things that can be taken in terms of business entrepreneurship, obviously to be looking out for the further festival. And obviously if they want to go, hopefully uh, they will. But uh, thanks a million for being here. I really appreciate it. You're very good to do so. Thanks for your time, David. Great to chat and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard and you want to stay in touch with us, then please head over to www.belowtheline.ie to subscribe to our mailing list and to explore our upcoming programs and events. Until then, take care and see you next time.